Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Claiming Zero, the podcast for the child-free and fence-setter community with Vanessa and Dallas. I'm Vanessa, and Dallas is here with our history episode today which I'm excited to hear. Yes. Hello. Hello. How are you, by the way? We good? We on, yeah, on good terms? We're okay? <laughs> yeah, actually, I have a bone to pick with you and I'm going to pick it right now in front of all the listeners. Wouldn't that be I, wild? I, that's why I brought it up. I thought, let's air out our beef on the podcast live and in person. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I truly don't appreciate your sweatshirt. So how about that? It's so red and aggressive, right? It's so aggressive. I hate it. <laughs> Oh, gosh. No, things are good. Things are good. I know. Awesome. I just feel this pressure with, like, the time restraint of our Zoom to, like... It, it is. Yeah. We talked about it uh, about a month or so ago. And for those of you that don't know, we record over Zoom. Mm-hmm. And now that they've limited all Zooms to yeah. 40 minutes, Vanessa and I have to hustle our bustle. <laughs> I know. And, like, a part of me is grateful because it keeps things concise and I don't go on forever. And editing is more easy, but mm-hmm. a part of me is sad. It is, yeah, because so, we like to chat and banter. <laughs> no, I'm just like, how are you? Okay, great. So now we're good. On. Let's begin. <laughs> this podcast is no longer personal. It's just we're reading. I'm reading from my notebook per usual, we and Vanessa gets no time to comment. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna go. Interesting, great, love it. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, okay. Keep it fun. I. <laughs> Because every time I think you're going to know who I have, you don't know who it is. So I'm not even going to do a big lead up to it today. <laughs> I'm telling you. I appreciate that because I always feel like a jerk because you're like, and I'll go, I, am I supposed to know who that is? <laughs> do you know who Julia Child is? Yes. Food. Are you sure? Yes. yes. That's all, yeah, okay. I'm on the right track. Yes. Oh my gosh. Whew. Okay. <laughs> So for those of you that don't know Julia Child, let me tell you her life story. <laughs> She's child free. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she wouldn't, you wouldn't be talking about her. I did not know that. So that's very yes. exciting. Okay. okay. So she was born on August 15th, 1912 to a very wealthy family in Pasadena, California. To give you an idea of the times, she was born a few months after the Titanic sank. Oh, wow. And the same year that arizona and utah became states dang (laughs) isn't that crazy to think about that was that is wild just over 100 years ago 110 years ago (laughs) i don't even know if you said arizona and what utah i feel like nevada's somewhere in there too we not not a state las vegas though Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so she is the oldest of three kids um and she has a brother and a sister all of whom are over were over six feet tall oh like including her yes she was six foot two and she was the shortest of the three of them excuse me Mm -hmm. what (laughs) that's obnoxious Mm -hmm. i love it which is kind of two jack daniel on top of each other to equal one julia child oh my god yes because he was so short he was so small (laughs) Her, her mom would tell people she gave birth to over 18 feet of children i love it i would do the same thing yes yes um so yes you're right along the food lines she was a chef she wasn't really interested in cooking right away though her family was so wealthy they had a chef so she never like oh even thought about cooking and food in that way at that time um her family was very waspy 
for those of you that don't know white anglo-saxon protestant and very conservative okay that's not what i was thinking waspy was (laughs) i'm glad you clarified Mm -hmm. i was like they they had bees and wasps in their house (laughs) they made their own honey got it (laughs) um so julia went to smith college which was actually a private liberal arts women's college out on the east coast and kind of that already kind of sets her on the path to like do the opposite of what her family was doing and her dad specifically um so we're going to just kind of jump through all the young age stuff there's not a lot about that the most interesting is where her story goes from here in 1942 she's 30 years old now so she's past this whole like oh at 20 years old you have to be married off and start having children she's like i'm already past that let's keep going on with life (laughs) Um, and we're mid-World War II right now. Okay. And so she is said to have been like pining for adventure. So Ooh. she joins the Office of Strategic Services, which I'll refer to as the OSS from here on out, mm-hmm. um, as a typist. And oh. that was fairly commonplace that women would go to school and learn to type and secretary and all that kind of stuff. It was just kind of standard. And so her education and her experience as a copywriter in New York actually led her to becoming a top secret researcher working with the head of the OSS. So we're in wartime, top Mm -hmm. secret, meaning like, yes, the secrets that no one is allowed to know about. And the OSS kind of, not an early central intelligence agency, but it's a very early intelligence agency and the CIA was formed shortly after that in 1947. So it's kind of along the lines where she basically worked as a CIA agent. <laughs> that is they so say awesome. she wasn't a spy, but I'm telling you, she was like the secretary totally of spies. Spy. So she knew stuff. <laughs> that would be the worst job for me. That would be so <laughs> terrible. I'd be like, everyone, do you want to know? <laughs> Guess what the secret or is. would just be airing all the dirty laundry. <laughs> that is already an amazing like this is so Mm -hmm. cool keep going i'm sorry she has the coolest life so in 1944 two years after she starts um she's posted in ceylon which is actually current day sri lanka so that's Mm -hmm. where she gets posted over to um she continues to work in this highly classified communications she was a clearly a very good secret keeper um and she meets a man named paul child at first they weren't really fans of each other. Mm. They have like letters and stuff that they wrote back to family. And he thought her laugh was obnoxious. And oh. she just kind of thought he was just an ugly dude. <laughs> like she made fun of his nose and his mustache. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Um, so then they end up getting relocated um, together to China. And here's where they're like, okay, you're not so bad. And they end up falling in love with each other. Of course. <laughs> Spend enough time with someone and you'll appreciate their nose and mustache. Yes, indeed. And their laugh. And I hope that I find someone who someday finds this ridiculous laugh to be charming. <laughs> I find it charming, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yes. Um, so they end up moving back to the United States after the war is over and they get married in 1946. Um, not that it makes a difference and it really in their lives it doesn't but um, he was 10 years older than she was so she's already in her 30s and he's Mm -hmm. in his 40s so I mean it makes a difference in the sense of you would think at the time like the pressure is probably on them to produce Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah for sure Um, Paul was kind of an artistic type photographer um, and he had previously spent time in France and so he spoke French and 
um, when they were back in the U.S., um, he was working for the United States Information Agency, and they said, hey, we need someone like you to move to Paris, France, and, like, be a liaison. So in 1948, they pack up, and they move to Paris, France. Wow, what a life. Yes. So here, you thought the, like, the military stuff was cool. This is where Julia's life literally becomes what it is and why anyone even knows the name Julia Child. So when they get to France and to Paris specifically, they go and eat at this restaurant called La Couronne. La, La, Couronne. La Couronne. I can't say it with a good enough French accent. I don't even know what it stands for. But basically, <laughs> they go and they have a meal. And Julia Child calls it an opening of the soul and spirit. Oh, my goodness. She has this meal. And it's just, it's a very simple, like, fish and butter meal with wine. And she's like, this is fabulous. Absolutely exquisite. And Mm. basically, what she kind of realizes as she's looking around and spending more time in Paris is that French dining is like no other. It is a whole experience. This is a time when people weren't dragging their kids out to a restaurant to have a quick burger. Like this is very nice white linens and people dress appropriately and dress up and the waiters are very polite and cut and just this whole experience where she was like, this is incredible. I I am living for this. So that makes her choose to go to Le Cordon Bleu cooking school. Oh, this is the most famous and still mm-hmm. running institute of all of like culinary arts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a chef, you know Le Cordon Bleu. And they are, I mean, they're all over the world at this point, but this was like the original opened in like 1895 or something. Um, so at the time, culinary schools are a major boys club. You don't see a lot of women in kitchens and Ironic. learning. Uh, right very ironic and so she was like well I don't care I'm gonna go and do this thing this is what I want to do so in a class of 12 she's the only woman and there's photos from her time there (laughs) she's just first of all towering over these men at six foot two right but also like she's not shy about it she's like you can see her like leaning in and like doing things and you're like Mm -hmm. she just she just said this is what I want to do and you will not stand in my way and I will not be apologetic for it love it yes so she really proved to be a true culinary artist um and she began cooking with master chefs she joined a women's cooking club and there she meets two women uh simone beck and louisette bertold oh and these so there were women but there was kind of like mm, far could in between the, could you go in the sh- in the um, refrigerator and stay there for an hour and come back with some cheese later <laughs> oh gosh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so Simone Beck is actually in the process of putting together a cookbook for Americans to learn French cooking Mm. and so they're like oh well you're American why don't you help us with this cookbook this would be really good for us to have you join us and so she does but Julia Child is very very detail-oriented Vanessa you think you are detail-oriented and I do too Mm-hmm. You do not hold a candle to Julia Child, let me tell you. She kept, first of all, they typed everything because she was a typist, right? Mm-hmm. So they would type pages and pages and pages of recipes and instructions, and then they would edit them all and they would continue to like make recipes 
and like, oh no, it was just a little pinch more than that pinch. And they would continually be editing this. So it's so detailed yet. It was really practical because they thought, well, any person can open up this book and make this awesome French meal. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have any confusion. They won't, you know, they won't have any mistakes. They'll know what to do. So they continue writing and then throughout their time, Julia Child moves with her husband um, to Marseille, France, which is a little further away. And now there's no phones to just call and like, well, there is phones, but they're not calling to be like, hey, let's walk through this menu. So they are mailing pages back and forth to each other because they're so specific about what they want to do. And it takes them 12 years. No, no, I can't finish this cookbook 12 years 12 years now they had already had um i don't i guess kind of a deal with uh, houghton mifflin the like the book producing company mm-hmm. and in the end they said no this is this is not a cookbook this is insanity We're, we will not publish this so like crap after 12 years of doing this they just told us no we gotta try again so in 1961 at 726 pages, Mastering the Art of French Cooking is published. Wow. So how many years is that actually? Was it 12 still? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm making Vanessa, you do math. You okay. are, and I, I don't I'm, know. Forget. It's fine. <laughs> I was just fascinated that it took so long. <laughs> it. I can't believe that it took them this long and that finally someone said, you know, this is genius. Let's do it. And Mastering the Art of French Cooking is basically mm-hmm. the Bible to chefs. Every oh, wow. chef knows this book. People who love to cook and they all have it in their cookbook collection. It's very, very, very famous. Um, so as famous books go, the lady said, let's take a book tour, which was totally unheard of I at love the time. It. <laughs> 1961, no one was going on book tours for a cookbook. Can you imagine? Dallas, yes. I feel like you and I would do this. We'd be oh, like, it would okay. be great. <laughs> okay sorry keep going no it's fine so okay so not only are they like taking this cookbook around but they're showing people like almost like little like here's a little sample of how i cook this because we're now in a time where frozen food meals are reign supreme you've got the big freezer in your basement or out in your garage you pull out four frozen dinners pop them in the oven and your family's fed right so now it's like oh cooking okay i think we might be ready to jump back into this so there's a Boston TV show where this guy basically like reads a book and then talks to the artist. That's what his show is all about. Hmm. Um, so <laughs> Julia asks to come on and they're like, it's a little odd. It's a cookbook, but okay. And she says, but I need to have a hot plate. And he's like, it's a book. We're talking about books. Why do you need a hot plate? She's like, cause I'm going to demonstrate how to make an omelet and how easy it is. Just get me a hot plate and we'll go from there. And so on this TV show, she demonstrates how quick and easy it is to make a really great, simple French omelet. And people's minds are blown. Was she like the original one to do that? Yes. She is the start of cooking shows. So they see and they're like, we got to cash in on this now. So they end up making three pilot episodes where Julia Child is in a kitchen showing you how to make one of her meals. And in 1963, the French chef, again, another popular, because everyone knows it's the first cooking show, airs and runs for 10 years. Wow. That's so amazing. basically, and what's really cool about it too, like they, so 
they at the time didn't have the kind of cameras they needed to like cut and make clips yeah so it was one run through and that was it and she Mm -hmm. would make mistakes she would have oopsies but she was like well here's how to fix it because (laughs) we're just gonna have to roll with it like I can't go back I can't start I don't want to start over because that's a waste so she would talk people through like well add a little more of this and stir it like this and heat it for a little bit longer and she would just talk people through it and it really like helped women mm-hmm. because they were like oh at the time oh you can't be having imperfections and you have to be this perfect woman and basically julia child was like just roll with it it's gonna happen and and that's that and so people looked at her as this very authentic and approachable woman and they freaking loved her show everyone loved it i love this whole thing Yes. By the way, um, in 1963, when The French Chef first aired, she's 50 years old. I think I've seen that before because like I always am looking for inspiration of people who started things like later Mm -hmm. on in life because I keep changing my mind about everything. (laughs) And she's one of those people where people Mm -hmm. talk about how she kind of started things later. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And she didn't, she was not bothered by it. She didn't have kids to weigh her down. (laughs) So she was like young and spry at 50. Um, The funniest thing is if you look back at some of the very, very, very first episodes, they're in black and white. So you can't even like see (laughs) the beauty of like the colors of all these foods. (laughs) It's black and white. (laughs) I love it. That's so funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so she writes a ton of cookbooks. She does, after this one ends, she does other types of cooking shows. She kind of teams up with other chefs and basically she's just going through life, constantly evolving and doing new cool things that people probably, I'm sure, um, many times told her she couldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, two really unique things that I like, um, that I found out about her is, Um, She was a big supporter of Planned Parenthood. She was on the board of advocates. So she would do different fundraising things for them. Um, And after her lawyer died of AIDS, she kind of had this negative mindset around homosexuality and it just really wasn't talked about. When he passed away, something in her changed and she was like, I want to have banquets and fundraisers and I want to bring people together with food. And so she always really stuck with this, like food brings people together. So let's get together and how would have all these really big cool fundraising things and um in 1981 she founded the american institute of wine and food in 1995 she established the julia child foundation for gastronomy and culinary arts oh i love it i thought gastronomy was something with your gut but it's it not? just means the study of relationships between food and culture oh i, <laughs> I had to look it, it up too. I was like, like your gastric, gastric. Yeah. Yeah. Like a gastric, bi- like gastric bypass. Yeah. That's like the first thing you think of gastric, yeah. but it's just the study of relationships between food and culture. I feel like she was that person who just like knew grammar really well and spoke really <laughs> well. Like she was your friend who's like, actually, it's yes. not that it's this. You're like, okay, great. Thanks, Julia. Astronomy and culinary arts. <laughs> You're right. Just call it what it is (laughs) yeah exactly um she ended up donating her kitchen and i think it was like she used this this particular kitchen in three different shows she had and her husband had like modified this kitchen because she was so tall imagine Mm. a regular countertop height you're constantly leaning over so he built it up for her and so she had like this good nice height counters and stuff and so she donated that the whole kitchen like the pots and the pans and everything 
to the Smithsonian National Museum of American History, and it's in Washington, D.C. Did we see it? We did. Okay. See Do you know how many times I asked myself that? I don't think we did. I don't think we did either. For people who don't know, we Alex and I went to D.C. <laughs> two years ago, and I don't remember what we saw. <laughs> no, I don't remember if we saw it or not. I don't. We went to so many museums. I don't even I know. know if we went to this one, like Dang. of American history. I feel like we did. American history, we, we did because they yeah. had, that was the one where they had like the whole room full of like here's like the first light bulb and here's like the first car and but yeah, we like the pop culture section we did because we went at the very end. So I don't know if we did see it and we just didn't realize it or we just flew so past sad. it. But yeah, I'm we so were, like, angry at 31 year old me. Get it together. You know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> well I, now we'll have to go, go back. back yeah, yeah. to point that out um so in um excuse me on august 13th 2004 just two days before her 92nd birthday she passes away mm. she basically worked almost until she died she was working into her mid to late 80s wow yeah it's amazing yeah. she was very much like with it and you know moving and just yeah it's it's really really cool um where i got a lot of this all the information i've just spoken about is um the on hbo max there's a documentary it's a documentary movie mm-hmm. called julia mm-hmm. and her family like her some of her nieces some friends some people like that like studied under her they all kind of talk through their experiences and her story and it's just I was like oh this I'll, I'll watch it because I just want to kind of get to know her a little bit more and I was like I am so fascinated she is larger than life literally and like figuratively and she's just so like she's in the kitchen just throwing food around like she's not trying to be like dainty and petite about it but like she's like slathering butter on this raw <laughs> chicken and just like doing all these fun things she had this like easy hilarity to her Mm -hmm. and she was just like i i can see why people watched her cook food for the the first of of its kind because she just was so like fun and like looked like cooking was fun when you think about watching someone cook food like now it's so commonplace that Uh you're just like oh well what's spectacular about that but when you hear Mm -hmm. this story of like no one was doing it and she basically had to call the station herself like hey can I come be on your show and do something like that's that's she's created a whole obviously a whole genre like there's the food network now that literally just plays people um, cooking food so Mm -hmm. amazing and what I love most about her whole story is like it's such an inspiration to, uh, as I think us as child-free people, like when people think like, oh, well, who's going to take care of you when you get older? And mm-hmm. what are you going to do? And where's your purpose going to lie if you don't have grandkids? And it's like, dude, she was in that age where I'm sure a lot of the people around her were like grandparents mm-hmm. and she was just taking off in a whole different direction. Like that's so exciting mm-hmm. to think that you could live like basically two different lives in one. Yeah. She had two different whole careers. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there have been at any really any streaming platform, you can find something, whether Mm -hmm. it's a documentary or um, movies, all sorts of things about her life. So um, a year after her death, a woman named Julie Powell, um, who had a cooking blog, published Julie and Julia, 365 days, 524 recipes, one tiny apartment kitchen. Um, so she pu- takes her cooking blog and publishes this book. 
um, became very popular and was part of the inspiration for the 2009 film Julie and Julia, mm-hmm. which I've never seen, but I have heard of. Um, and it's kind of about this woman, Julie, and mm-hmm. her like year of cooking out of this Mastering the Art of French Cooking book. Um, but Julia Child wasn't really impressed with this. So this woman was blogging while Julia Child was alive and publishes the book afterwards. So this is why we get basically feedback for what Julia Child felt. But she was not impressed with someone going through and cooking and everything. And she looked at it as a total stunt. She was like, you are not interested in the cooking part of it. You just want to see if you can go through a cookbook in a year. And this is the most famous one. So she was kind of like, I'm not really interested in your cooking Wow. I love and it. So, Whatever. She's sticking up for herself. <laughs> I do too. And because I think, you know, things we're talking early 2000s. Yeah. So blogs are a big thing at the time. Mm-hmm. They were all over the place. And she was kind of like, mm, no, no, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, this amazing. documentary that I watched is got her family in it and so I always feel like when you get kind of more of a firsthand account as much as you can mm-hmm. I feel like there's a little more truth and sort of just right. reality to that um and so anybody that wants to or can go watch it I definitely recommend it it's very very cool um her niece is is in the documentary and she says Julia couldn't have children now she doesn't elaborate on that so I know sometimes people will say that and they don't that's not exactly what they mean um but she did say that she kind of always felt like she was kind of a kid to her aunt Julia and she loved her nieces and nephews very, very much. Um, but she, Julia Child always said she could just throw herself into her work that way, which obviously she did. Mm-hmm. She for many, many years was filming TV show while cooking and then would go home and like cook for her husband. Like she truly enjoyed yeah. cooking so much and being a chef that it was her whole world. Um, and so I love that because every now and then we look up, I'm sure you run across this when we're looking up our child-free people. Sometimes it will literally just say, here's where she married her husband at this time. He was this, he was that. The couple had no children. Like right. just a one quick line to let you know, like there's no question about they didn't have children. Um, so they just, they took a couple minutes to talk about this in the documentary. And I did like that. Um, and I liked kind of hearing them acknowledge that. Right. Yeah. And that she was totally cool with it yes no and 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 i don't think there's a lot because like and that's the whole point right is that it's not talked about especially with our our history and him trips from the past Mm -hmm. like it's just not a topic like why didn't they have kids no one knows no one really cares and then they just moved on yeah and so it is a little more difficult to figure out like the why behind it Mm -hmm. so that is cool that they like spoke to it a little bit yeah and you know she was very much you could tell just by this documentary by things documented through her life as well whether it was her writing home during the war or her family reiterating things they said to her you know Mm -hmm. she was so happy with how she was and with the way things were um she had this very distinct voice and on snl they did a skit i'm sure more than once um where dan Aykroyd dresses up as her and he's in the kitchen he's like her voice is very much like hello and welcome to my kitchen i'm julia child <laughs> she just is so such a distinct character and i always yes. love that about people because she stood out she mm-hmm. never once questioned her legacy she knew what it was going to be and yeah. i feel like she just she ran with it 
if I could end on one Julia Child quote, I love okay. it. She did an interview in 1990, um, and she got some flack every now and then because French cooking is very much like butter, 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 but it's flavor, flavor, flavor. Mm-hmm. So she would often get asked about things, and she said, we should enjoy food and have fun. It is one of the simplest and nicest pleasures in life. I, I just it. love that. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's, it speaks to her character too. You know, mm-hmm. that she's just like, look, I'm just here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And this is the way I think it, it's done. So mm-hmm. I tend to tend recommend. And clearly, I mean, we're kind of joking about it, but then you look at like all of the different people who have come after her that dream about doing that and like so it's clearly it's it is a passion for a lot of people like you hear stories of people who like cooking has really like saved their life or giving them like a hobby or something to like put their energy into or Mm -hmm. start a business get out of like a bad situation like it Mm -hmm. can be so much more than just like cooking in the kitchen you know Mm -hmm. and so I love that she kind of is like the the top of that she like (gasps) yeah you know she used what some might argue her motherly instincts to like create a whole birth, a whole thing. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And she never had kids to be like, Oh, that smells gross. I don't want to oh, eat that. Gosh. She dined on everything and anything. <laughs> well, and it's also to say like, you know, I think at that time and maybe a little bit now too, that is one of those roles as a woman that you get pushed into once you become a mom is learning mm-hmm. how to cook for your kids. Mm-hmm. And so for her to not even have that pressure, she didn't have to. Yeah. She could have just done frozen. Di- I mean, that's what I plan to do till I die. <laughs> <laughs> frozen ravioli. Great. Devin loves a good pot roast. Great. Like, the- but she did it because she wanted to, not because mm-hmm. she had to. And yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. She found a love for it in not the strangest of places because hello Paris France like but she that just happened to fall into her life at the right time and she had a meal that blew her mind enough that she was like I want to do this this is this feels so good to me that I want to do this for other people yes oh my gosh this was such a good one and yes I knew who this was so I feel so special (laughs) yay yes if you (laughs) as always if anyone out there has any suggestions you're more than welcome to send them our way but also if you're someone who has like a hobby or something that you started after like a second career like we want to know those things you know if you can relate to to Julia in that way or whatever just send us your feedback claiming zero podcast at gmail.com or our instagram claiming zero and let us know and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, leave us a little review or the five stars on Spotify and Apple. You can leave an actual review if you'd like to. We love to hear from you guys in any and all forms. We always appreciate it. And we hope you have a great week. Yes. Oh, wait, real fast before we oh, leave. I have a little thing I've been trying to wait and and I keep forgetting. So I'm going to say it now. So I have a recommendation for everyone. If you've already seen it, because by the time this episode airs, it'll be a while. Have you seen Look Both Ways on Netflix? okay i hesitate to watch shows like that should i watch it you should watch it okay and everyone listening should watch it because i really think the way they portray like it's not it's up front about it it's basically Mm -hmm. a girl living through both um yeah both perspective like her life goes kind of takes a split right and she Mm -hmm. gets to live both realities and one of them is her not having a child and one of them is her having a child. Yeah. And I think it's really cool. Like I was hesitant because I was like, oh my gosh, please don't. Yeah. You know, but yes. I think for the child-free community, it's starting to become more commonplace. Sweet. So I can I encourage people to go watch it. Look yes. Both ways. 
Okay, good. I'm glad you said that because I there's stuff like that where I hesitate. I'm like, I, it's gonna make me angry. I'm not gonna watch. I know it. that's what so I, when I know someone that I can I can trust to tell me yes, do it. It's good enough. <laughs> yes, and then we'll we'll recap on it next next episode. You tell me what you think. So you guys oh, only have a week to watch it, and then we're gonna spoil it for you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Bye. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>